Well, welcome to 2020. I know we're a few weeks in. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, New Year and me, I, I need a bit of a run-up to get into a new year. I'm not into New Year's resolutions just because I just, yeah, they've failed in the past for me. So, but um, And our theme for January has been relax, refresh, refocus. As you draw near to God, we've carried over... James 4.8, our verse from 2019 into 2020. And I must say it was a great privilege for Stacey and I to pray over a number of you after that first Sunday we anointed with you all and, and spoke over you. I know Stacey did that side, I did this side. I know during that there was a, a lot of prophetic words spoken as we were praying for you. Stacey and I have been uh, just talking about that together. And we firmly believe this, this will be your best year yet. Amen. 2020. There's nothing like it. There's victories to be won, new ground to be taken. Amen. In the kingdom, in your relationships, in your growth with God, in this nation, in this district. But you know what? I can say all that. I can speak prophetically into your life. But unless you take something like that and run with it, it's going to be the same as 2019 and 2018 and 2017. Amen? It's just how it is. If you don't, on purpose, make a change, you default. That's, that's, that's human nature. We, we stick to our default. So, just want to encourage you, those whom we spoke prophetic words over, take those, pray, pray into that. Pray into that. Write it down, remember it. I've got a folder on my phone, on my iCloud account that's got all the prophetic words that have been given to me over the years, all those that I can remember that were given when I was a kid, and I pray over them, I review them, and I trust God that they'll come about in my life. So my motto at present, and the title of my message today, Josh, if you could put that up, that would be fantastic, mate. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Very simple, very, very simple. But if nothing changes, nothing changes. We see that in our nation, in our businesses, in our workplaces, in our families. If nothing changes, nothing changes. We live in a world that's changing. And if we as a church are not changing, now the message is timeless. It doesn't change. But our delivery does change. You wouldn't have seen all this on a church stage 200 years ago. If we had the church set up like it was 200 years ago, we would probably have difficulty getting the message across. I should add that if nothing changes, nothing changes. Well, the word of God never changes but that's a good thing that's what you want he's the same yesterday today and forever he doesn't change amen amen now if you were here for the first sunday of 2020 uh stacy spoke a wonderful message to start the year it was really really good it's on the podcast um podcast a little bit noisy just because of some of the we're changing over some equipment there but I've cleaned it up as best you can and it is, it is good. So I encourage you to jump on our podcast channel because we've got some new computer equipment. We can start podcasting again. Uh, so 
please tune in. Uh, we've got last week's will go up during the week and this week, should it be okay, uh, quality-wise it will go up. But um, just encourage you to listen to that, um, to that first message of 2020. It's really, really good. Now, Stacy, during that, shared some challenges that I had in 2019. And it's not really a secret. I don't know. I just I don't go telling everyone what I'm up to and what's challenging me. But I just want to share just some of my journey with you because I believe every test can be a great testimony. Amen? There is nothing like lived experience. Amen? God is good. There is nothing like lived experience. Talk about... One way to give you compassion for areas you may not have had deep compassion in before. I know a number of years ago I suffered chronic back pain for oh, two or three years. It was shocking. Some days I lived minute to minute with the pain. And now if you've got back pain, I'll pray for you because I know what it's like. And thank God that's gone. Um, has not come back for a number of years now. But there's nothing like lived experience. But I can say our God is a healing God. Amen. Amen. But he's also a God who can carry you through the pain. So 2019, particularly the latter quarter, the latter half of 2019 was very difficult for me. Very difficult for Stacy. I ended up broken more than I thought ever possible. But before I, want to, before I go on, I'm okay. It ends well. Okay? Just, just remember this. I'm okay. This ends well. That's the main thing. I'm okay. I'm okay. Genuinely, I'm okay. Stacy asked me, how are you out of 10? With one being the worst, 10 being the best. I'd say I'm about an 8 to a 10 most days. It's all good. It's all good. But I had a real challenge. I sank into a deep pit of depression. Stress, anxiety, I've never been anxious before. It had been building for about two years. I'm really good at hiding these things. Smile, crack a joke, easy to hide for me. And probably for about two years it had been building and just due to intense work pressures, um, I mean, you might, you don't, many of you don't know my nine to five Monday, Friday job, but it's a very, very stressful job. I've got some big responsibilities, some big budgets I manage. Um, just some of the, the departments that I cover, there, there's huge infrastructure challenges associated with those. And perhaps more than I should, I, I feel the weight of that personally. I, I, I used to find it really hard to separate my professional failures from my personal failures. Even if I had nothing, I couldn't influence them. It might have been a whole industry pressure coming down. And it was really, really bad. Some mornings I'd jump in my car and drive to work and pull up on the side of the road and I just thought, I can't go to work today. But I can't go home, but I can't go to work. So I'd just sit there. And this went on for months. Okay, better go in. And I'd get to work, my nice little air-conditioned office, and I'd sit there. And I would have days on end when the most productive thing I did was reply to an email. Maybe go through and review a budget and explain some negative positive variances and that's all I would do for the week. I'd just sit there and my phone would ring and I'd be so anxious, I'd just let it go to voicemail. 
and I turn my phone off and people are like, oh, I've been trying to, trying to leave voicemails. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, message bank doesn't work, you know. Oh, sorry about that. And you get good at this and it, it, it was horrible. It was really, really, really horrible. I don't know if you've ever been through something like that, but it is horrible. Especially when you think, because of stinking thinking, you can't ask for help because you're supposedly someone who's got it all together. (laughs) And I just decided that if I could worship a bit more, if I could pray a bit harder, if I could spend a bit more time with God, then I'd be okay. Nothing, nothing ever, nothing, not change anything, but just, I just had to press into God. I just thought, oh, pray harder and I'll listen to more podcasts and I'll, I'll make notes and I'll read over notes and, and do you know what? Things just got worse. Can you believe that? I couldn't. And it got to the point, to be very honest, where my condition was life-threatening. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. But it's okay, I'm okay. It's okay, it's got a good end. God is good. And then perhaps August sometime, I don't remember dates, uh, on my darkest day, somehow miraculously I I got in to see my GP and started a journey to recovery. I paid that guy so much money. I've seen him so much. Every two or three weeks I had to go and see that guy. I saw a counsellor every alternate week and then a psych and started taking antidepressants. I don't know if you ever played with those things. I've been through four of them. I'm still on them. And then I have to change. And the thing they don't tell you about antidepressants is when you change them, you get withdrawal. And you can't just swap from one to the other. You have to come off one and then you have to go on one. Try doing that four times. It's not fun. (laughs) And so I'll I'll keep taking them until my care team says, no, that's enough. And um, I've just learnt one thing through this journey that sometimes you need to trust the professionals around you. I'm so thankful for our medical professions, our allied health professionals, They are so good. I can't describe the sense of personal shame and failure I felt as I've walked out the past few months. I've taken long stretches off work. I've laid in bed for days. My beautiful wife kicked me out. Get on your bike. Go on. Go and walk the dog. Wallowed in self-pity, been utterly hopeless without hope. Not wanting to go on. No joy. I stopped being able to smell and and taste things. We were down the coast for a holiday. And it was a good holiday. It was a bad holiday because I couldn't smell the coast. I don't know about you, but my favourite thing about being down the beach is smelling the coast, which is probably rotting seaweed and fish. But, you know, it brings back... And I just, just couldn't sleep. And you've got side effects of antidepressants and switching between them. Sitting in the office of many medical professionals, absolute strangers, and bearing your soul to them. Admitting you're broken. 
Guys, try and do that. That's a humbling experience. And guys, if you're like me, I like to fix things. Oh, that's fine, I'll fix it. Stacey has an issue. I want to fix it. I couldn't fix myself. Do you know how, how hard that is for someone with my personality? You can't fix something. Do you know the intense shame you feel as a, a Christian leader who is struggling with their own mental wellness? Shouldn't I just be able to pray and get over it? Do you know how hard that is? I'm okay. But it shouldn't happen to me is what I thought. I've looked deep into the eyes of my loved ones. I've seen the hurt and the pain I've caused, betrayal, because I didn't ask for help. <laughs> Let's just say 2019 was not a good year. I did not like 2019. <laughs> I was very, very glad Tyler and I went camping on New Year's Eve. I was very glad Tyler sat up with me and we watched 2020 come in and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. It was a bit of a milestone for me. I've, I've made it. I've survived. 2020 is going to be better. But you know what? I look back through it all now. My Jesus was there. He was carrying me. He was carrying my family. Hebrews 13.5 reminds us, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Amen. That is my testimony. He was there. He was there. He put people in my path last minute when I needed it most, when I was at the most serious point of my condition. He put people right there. Who gets into their GP with no notice? I didn't even tell them it was serious. I just said, I just need to see him. It doesn't happen. You usually get to put through to the triage nurse and you have to get a lecture and then you, you know. He sent people that helped me. I've got two really good friends. One's a, a pastor not far from here of a, a thriving church. The other one's a medical professional at the other end of the state. Both have experienced similar things. And just somehow, a pastor friend of mine just, just rang me out, hey, I want to have lunch with you. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And then we ended up talking for a couple of hours. And he's been a real good support, contacts me regularly, catches up with me regularly. And he explained, because I, I just said to him, I said, how can, how can I be who I am, a Christian leader? How can I go through this? What is wrong with me? And it was really good. And I'll explain some of what I've learned through this journey. There's been others who have felt stirred to pray. They had no idea. And I've got a really supportive family. I said to my wife when I came home and told her everything that day, after I saw my GP, I came home and I, I just told her everything. All the stuff I'd kept bottled up. And she's been like a rock. Thanks, honey. But I'm okay, but I need to, need to share this. Because if the church is not talking about this, who is? And I know we are. I know we have Mark Bateman. He talks about these sorts of things, but... I just need to share it because through any test, I believe God can make a great testimony. I need to share this because if you're going through something like this and I know it's really easy to hide and I know because no one had, idea, had very much of an idea. Stace, Stace did a couple of weeks before things got really bad. But 
I hid this so well. And yes, I know it's deceptive, but if you don't know what to do, you just hide it. So I need to say that if you're going through any struggles with depression or suicide or any sort of those things, go and ask for help because I know it's easy to hide it. Don't hide it. I've had lived experience and I can tell you there is hope. I need to share this because I can tell you, you can get well. I need to share this because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Nothing changes. I want to explain what I've learned through my journey, and I'm still learning, but I believe the key is balance. And I know that's common sense, and I know you know that. And most of my journey, my difficulty stems from the incorrect assumption that I could just pray a bit more and it would all be fixed. And I know that God moves in the miraculous. I know people can be miraculously healed. I am not discounting that for a second. Okay? I am not discounting that for a second. But I also know God has set things up so things work as he designed. On the seventh day, he rested. What does that tell you? We need rest. Amen? That's a good model for our lives. I know if I stood here and held my breath, I'd faint because God set it up that I need to breathe to live. There's certain things he has set up that if I try to go against those, well, duh, stupid, this is going to happen. You know, there, there are just some things, some things God has designed to work correctly. Rest, relaxation, Leisure, joy, hard work, study, achievement, all these things. If I, okay, let me put it this way. If I went home and ate six litres of ice cream every night and three cheesecakes, yum, especially if they are Sue's cheesecakes, and every night I prayed, God, please make me thin, Do you get what I'm saying? Sure, prayer is powerful. Prayer should be our first resort, not our last resort. But there are certain things that stupid is, as stupid does, if I eat the ice cream and the cheesecake and pray to be thin, something's wrong. And if I pray harder, well, it's not going to do much. So I believe we are what's known as tripartite beings, which means we are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Now, I know that some theologians believe we are bipartite, which means we are body and soul and spirit, and both are interchangeable, so we're two. It's always good when you share from the pulpit like things like this to understand the counter-argument or the counter-theology for anything. So trust me, I know I'm not ignorant, but when I apply bipartism to this, it doesn't work for me. So we are body, soul and spirit and it helps me very clearly to understand where I got out of balance in my life. 
which led to a very dark season of depression and breakdown. And now I just want to say, I know there are other causes of depression, chronic illness, where through no fault of your own, you've, I, just, I, know, I know there's traumatic events, I know there's other stuff. I'm not saying this is the panacea, this, this, is, this is the be-all and end-all. If you do and listen to this message ten times, you'll have the ABC of how to fix yourself or how to get help. Okay, I, I, I need to just, just acknowledge that. I'm not making light of what you're going through if it's not similar to my experience. But this is my experience and I want to explain. So body, our body is our physical being. That's pretty easy to understand. Everyone get that? Body, our skin, our bones, our blood, our senses, our hormones, our nerves. Psalm 139 says this in 13 and 14. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous, how well I know it. Our bodies are complex things. We need to take care of our bodies. And we know this. We know this. There's lots of messaging around we get. You know, we need physical exercise, movement. We need good food, good nutrition, enough water. We need to get enough sleep. And as far as is up to us, we need to look after our bodies as best we can because we, we, know, we know what that's like. We know what that takes. Now, I understand there are chronic health conditions. There are things that impact us that is not of our doing, but as best as we can, as much as it is up to us, we need to look after our bodies. Amen? And at different stages of our lives, there'll be different things we can do and can't do. You should see Josh and I ride up our bikes on the pines, up a hill in the pines. He just rides up. I'm like, you know, and I'm not too unfit for riding. I could get fitter. But there are certain things at my age in life I'm not able to do. You know, but there are things I can do to keep physically healthy that are within what I can do. So I've got to say, during my dark season, I was not terribly out of balance with looking after my physical well-being. I'm reasonably active. I don't, you know, I could be healthier. Like there is always stuff I could be healthier, but I'm not. I'm not hugely out of balance there. So to me, that part, my my body looking after that was fine. It was okay. Yeah, there's some always things we can do better. So I want to talk about our soul. So our soul is our thinking, our reasoning, it's our will, the choices we make, our personality, our attitudes, our beliefs. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 10 talks about bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I believe to keep our souls healthy, we need to understand that sometimes our thoughts are not our own. Stinking thinking, Joyce Meyer calls it. We need to be continually thinking about our thought life. Ooh, what's that just popped into my head? Well, don't just mull it over. Say, hey, that's not of God. Whatever is lovely, think on those things we're encouraged to do in Scripture. Whatever is good, think on that. Because it's really, really... I'll sometimes just be minding my own business, letting my mind wander, and I get these, these silly thoughts coming in. You're not good enough. You can't do that. You're, you're a fraud. You're, I'm like, whoa, 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 hey, hey, out of, no. I need to keep that into balance. Mm. 
our memories, our feelings, our emotions. To take care of our soul, we need to think about what we're thinking about, as I've just said. We need to give it more of what it loves. What does your soul love? Mine loves reading a good book I haven't read for 15 years. For for pleasure. I, I mean, I've read plenty of reports and the Bible and Christian books about Christian topics I'm interested in. But recreationally, I, I hadn't read a, recre- a novel just for the pure pleasure of reading pleasure for 15 years. And now, unfortunately, I can't stop, so I've got to wind that back a bit. Stacey's like, what's happened to Greg? You're just reading all the time. i like, I know, and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Do you want to watch TV? No, I want to read. I've got a Kindle, an e-book. I, I can get so many books on that things, it's not funny. Anything I want to read is on there. That's what I needed. I needed more of that. Create good memories. My often, my mum often uses the term when she's with the grandkids. We're making memories. We're making good memories. We, as a family, um, this afternoon, tomorrow, we're going to go on some family adventures. That's it. We're not going to do work around the house. It's um, We're going to make some good memories. We're going to go out four-wheel driving or wherever we go. We're going to make some good memories because that's good for good for our soul. We go camping, me and the boys, just for fun. That's that's good. Fishing, bike riding, the things I enjoy to do. Don't just limit your relaxation time to your annual leave a few weeks a year. That's what I did for so long. You know, oh, I'll relax when I'm on holidays. Do accomplishment tasks so you can look back and admire what you've achieved. Mow the lawn and go, hey, that looks good. That's good for you to do that. Wash the car, clean the house. It's good. It's good. And have a look and take time to go, hey, I I did that. That looks good. I mean, I started by making my bed and putting my clothes away in my, my drawers. And I'm doing that really good, aren't I? Yes, I am. But it's good. You walk in, hey, it's good. It's good. Now, I've got to say, during the dark season of my life, this is where I was completely out of balance, was looking after my soul. When I read it was for study or information or it was a report, it was never just for the sheer pleasure of getting lost in a book. When I made the lawn, it was because it just had to be done. I never really relaxed just for the sake of relaxing as much as I should have. I said yes to many tasks at work where I should have said no. Don't you hate that when you say yes to something and you're going, oh, I don't really want to do that, but I can't say no. Can I tell you, it's just not worth it. Just say no. Because you're doing that task and you're thinking, I don't really want to do that. I don't have time for this. But I would just say yes because the thing is, With a busy person, you just give them more and more and more because they just do it. They just do it. So I would just say yes and yes and yes. And I I wouldn't at home and I wouldn't for church-related tasks. I was really balanced there. But at work, I could not say no because they're paying me. And I've got this work ethic that said, look, if I am being paid to do a job, I better be giving them their money's worth or I'm dishonouring that position I've got. That's just something that my parents have really driven home to me. And that's a good thing to have. That's a really good thing to have. 
a strong work, work ethic and I thank my parents for driving that into me. But I would just go, well, look, they're paying me. I can't really, you know, I know it'd be easy to do this many tasks a day and that, that's reasonable, but really I can cram all this stuff in and do... Yeah. yeah. And I allowed myself to become so resentful and overworked and so re- results-driven, no matter the cost. And when the bill came due... It was a very big price to pay. It was a very, very big price to pay. Can I encourage you? Take a look at that area of your life. If you're out of balance, bring it back in line. Say no. If you're in a job that's going to end up killing you, walk away. Stacy said to me, she said, I don't care. She says, leave. If this is the result of what you're doing, we will go and live in a tent. And she was absolutely heartfelt honest during that season, and I really appreciate that. She said, we will do anything. We will move. We will do anything. And fortunately, through my care team, I've been able to work out strategies basically to say no. That's, that's what it comes down to, how to say no politely. I'm quite good at that now. And how to not be insecure in that in a professional sense and go, oh, well, I said no, hopefully they don't fire me. Well, I did say it respectfully, you know. One good thing that a pastor uh, from Wangaratta told me, he says, a really good phrase is, and how would you like me to do that? Oh, okay, you want this done? But how would you like me to do that? So our spirit, our spirit is where we get our sense of meaning, our purpose, our relationship with God. This is where we get our sense of whose we are. We are king's kids. I believe this is where we receive God and this is what comes alive at our salvation. I base this on John 3, 5 to 8, which says, Jesus replied, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can produce only human life but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants, just as you can, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. To take care of our spirit, we need to spend time in worship, just what we're doing this morning. Spend time in prayer. We're encouraged to pray without ceasing. I, I try to talk to God all day, every day. Yeah, I've got a certain time where I will do it in my, on my commute to and from work. I'm always praying. That's just my time, especially with young kids. You've got to work with what you've got. But I'll just talk to him throughout the day. And it's great. Like, hey, Holy Spirit, what would you do with this? I can't make this budget, you know. And I've had some fantastic ideas. They're not my ideas. Just, just continually... Spending time, inviting him in to everything you do. Spend time in the Word. That's key. You do need to spend time studying the Word. I'm really pleased um, my two younger boys made a decision to invite Jesus into their life a couple of weeks ago and they've been regularly just reading their Bibles of an evening. I think that's fantastic. That's a really good habit to get into. Building your personal relationship with God. Now, And this is what confused me. During the dark season of my life, I would have had to say that my spirit was okay. 
because I spent time in the Word. I spent time worshipping. I had a good relationship with God. And this is what was so shameful to me. This is what I couldn't understand. How could I preach and teach the Word of God and worship and pray and speak in tongues and still not want to go on with life, still be depressed? And Stacy asked me a really good question, and I'm so glad she did because it made me think about this and it made me go searching for an answer. Stacy asked me the hardest question. In the midst of my darkness, she said, how can you worship God? It wasn't an accusing question. It was, uh, I, would like, I need more information. How can you worship God and say how awesome he is but be depressed and not want to live at the same time? That is a really good question. And that's the question I previously could not have a response to and that's the question that so many Christian leaders feel so pressed down and so trapped because they go, how can I do this but feel like that? And my answer is my spirit was okay. My relationship with God was okay. My body, I was looking after that but my soul was dramatically out of balance. I had no enjoyment. I was burnt out. I was exhausted. So I just want to encourage you that you need to strike a balance in all areas of your life. I'm not saying that this is the answer for the struggles you're going through. I'm just saying in my particular experience, this is what I needed to do. And perhaps that might help you or might help someone you know and love. I want you to understand that you can be a role model Christian and still not have it all together. Don't feel condemned, but go and seek help. Perhaps instead of someone to telling someone to pray more and get into the word more, maybe tell them, hey, relax, go for a walk, do something you enjoy. My GP said to me the first time I met with him, he said, now, what do you enjoy doing? I said, oh, bike riding. He said, right, I want you to go home. I'm giving you this amount of time off work. You are to go bike riding. He said, I'll give it a few days. You'll be a bit dizzy for a few days once you start taking these. And he was right. Um, he said, you have to keep moving. You have to keep moving. <laughs> Let's just get rid of the judgment. Let's just all get real. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do today. And I know many leaders have done that, so I don't, I don't feel any shame. I don't feel any shame or any condemnation of what I've been through. Because if I did, well, what's the point? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Mirzos, you can hop up. Sorry, I've taken the full time. We were going to finish early in January, but I just want to finish. I just want to encourage you that if you are going through a, a dark season, perhaps you're at the point of giving up. Ask for help. Even if you don't want to, you need to. Hmm. I am going to share this. I heard it said once, and I think it was uh, Louis Giglio, he said, um, suicide doesn't stop the pain. We know that. Well, we think that's what it does. Oh, it might help the individual... It might help them get out of pain. But what it actually does, and think about this, it spreads the pain to everyone you've ever known or been connected with, to every family member, to every loved one, to every colleague. 
All those who are connected to you, it multiplies it. What did I do wrong? What didn't I say? What did I miss? It's so selfish. It is so self-centred. And I know when you're in the midst of it, nothing makes sense. I was completely out of my mind during my dark season. I had, I had no idea. I was that depressed. I was that unwell. I had no idea. Nothing made sense. But I'm okay. Check you've got balance in your life. Number four, remember, if nothing changes, nothing changes. You might have to make hard decisions. You might have to cut back at work. You might need to quit your job. You might need to go and work at a supermarket to make ends meet. Whatever you have to do, you need to do it because the world needs you. Would you stand this morning? I want to finish with this. And I know this is heavy, but I have a responsibility to share this because I believe this can change lives. This message can absolutely change lives and set you free. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11, and you know this. You all know this. This is my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures. I've got dozens, actually. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. (laughs) In those days when you pray, I will listen. He does answer prayer. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you need to pray. You need to pray. Don't walk away from here going, oh, Greg prayed and it. No, 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 no. That was, if I didn't pray, then I would have been seriously way out of balance there too and that would have made things worse. You need to pray. He says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I want to encourage you. Start looking for him through the pain. He's there. He's always been there. I will never leave you or forsake you, he says. And that's a promise. Okay? He's always been there. On your worst day, he is always there. You just need to look up and go, where are you today? And I found sometimes he was simply carrying me because I couldn't move. Let me pray. I'm going to hand over to Stacy. Father, I love you. Lord, there are things that we go through that we don't deserve. We don't understand. But I know through the pain and through the brokenness, you are there. You don't send the pain. You don't send the brokenness. But you make a way and you use it for our good. And I thank you, Lord, that I can stand here and say, I'm okay. I can say you never forsook me. I can say you carried me, you healed me, you made me whole. And I speak that over every man, woman and child in this room. I speak your healing power in Jesus' name. I speak the truth of your word that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. I speak blessing over this church. 
over this town, over this nation. In Jesus' name, amen.